Hello, here I am on a trail halfway up a volcano in Colombia and in the words of Guns N' Roses, welcome to the jungle. This really is quite spectacular. If ever you want to rent a motorbike, I recommend a guy, his name is Jeff, and he runs a company called Columbia Moto Adventures. He looked at me and thought, oh this guy, he's in his 40s, he's probably ridden motorbikes all his life, even though I told him I hadn't and uh, set me up with various routes that he put into Google Maps for me and then put that on the front of my motorbike. I've been driving for a few days now. One thing about Jeff though is I think Jeff has far more confidence in my abilities than I do, uh, which is lovely, so thanks for that Jeff. But uh, when you said, and I'll quote you Jeff, a little bit of off-road here and there but nothing you can't handle. It's a little bit of off-road, honestly, it's nothing you can't handle. Um, he's from Colorado. Jeff, I can handle it, but I have been more than once fucking petrified. Hey there. Oh, that was cheesy. Let's try that again. Hi. That's better. This is part one of a two-part podcast about Colombia. Listen all the way to the end. Good morning. And welcome to Colombia. Yeah, this one is a really exciting one. It's country 84, the 84th country I visited. And the month is November and I'm walking through a very quiet little town called Jardin. Spelt J-A-R-D-I-N or Jardin or Garden. The town of Garden here in the Andes in Colombia and the sun is beating down on my back. In fact, it's so, so hot and sunny that in the distance I can see a local villager using an... Ah, shut up. You're always gonna get some dogs. Hang on, just play the normal game of walking past a house where a dog's going ballistic and the owner is asleep because they are immune to the noise of dogs and engines in Latin America. If you want to do a bank job in Latin America, an undercover diamond heist in the middle of the night, if you accidentally started up a very loud engine, or you brought with you a dog that can't shut the fuck up, either one, don't matter, the security guards wouldn't notice. They are immune to the noises of dogs and engines. If dogs had engines, they'd be immune to that sound. Anyway, so here we are in Colombia, Let's get on with it, shall we? There's a lot to talk about. 50 million people all packed into a country named after Christopher Columbus. And it is nestled in the Andes. But not only is it in the Andes, it's the only country in the Andes that has three sets of Andes. That's something I found out yesterday. In other words, if you go to Chile or if you go to Bolivia or basically any country, Peru, that's got the Andes, you'll just get one long mountain range, the Andes. But here... It kind of splits because there's some tectonic plates. So all that means is there's mountains bloody everywhere. And I've been to the Andes before in like Peru and Bolivia and stuff. And in my mind, the Andes are dusty, enormous, jutting great rocks with very little life because that's the Andes I'm used to. But here, way up very close to the equator, the equator does in fact cut through Colombia. 
not that far from here, so I'm really close to the equator. And the Andes are green, properly green. In fact, as I look around me, all I can see is lush forest in absolutely every direction. And here I am in this dusty village with just a few vehicles and a couple of thousand dogs, as always. And it's completely surrounded on, on all sides by beautiful jutting green mountains full of coffee plantations, banana plantations. Some of the mountains are, are so steep that you couldn't possibly get any plantations on there. So given up to nature and as a result of the amount of rain that you get here and the amount of sun that you get here, it's just wall-to-wall -wall forest on these beautiful mountains. Now if you go south from here um, to southern Colombia, you get the rainforest and I'm talking about the Amazon like I actually only realized this this week the Amazon rainforest 10% of it is in Colombia which you know 10% doesn't sound like much but when you're talking about the biggest rainforest in the world 10% of it is enough to have indigenous populations of tribal people here in Colombia living in the Amazon rainforest so it's such an exciting country it is an absolute belter so far i'm so impressed with it where do i even start to tell you how great it is um well let's just give you the facts and you can make your mind up for yourself because i'm a cunning little journalist me so facts 50 million people somewhere in the region i think of about 100 languages lots of tribal people that the of course the spanish managed to wipe out but lots of tribal people that the spanish didn't manage to wipe out and indeed languages as well so obviously spanish is the the main language but you will hear other tongues around the country and what a diverse country in fact colombia is actually one of the world's 17 mega diverse countries which means it's got the second highest level of biodiversity in the world i would imagine number one is brazil and uh, it's just an absolutely ridiculous, different plethora of stuff. So you've got the Amazon rainforest, previously mentioned, grassy highlands, um, and you've got deserts as well here in Colombia. Uh, it's the only country in South America with coastlines and islands along both of the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. So a mega diverse country. This particular little town, not particularly touristy. I've seen a couple of tour buses come through. There's a cycle shop here um, that you can rent a bicycle and go exploring into the Andes if you want but no need for that for me because I got here on a motorbike um, I should probably start at the beginning and tell you what I've been up to so I landed in Bogota the capital where you would land if you're coming in internationally into Colombia uh, the most busy city of course and what a bustling vibrant place that is and it's great well happy with that um, and then flew to Medellin which I keep saying wrong i'm sorry i think it's spelled medallin but i think the two l's become a, a sort of yg i don't know medallin medallin oh i'm not always gonna get it right but anyway i flew into there and then uh, from there i managed to get a uh, uber to the countryside to the middle of nowhere where i embarked on renting a motorcycle from some american guy who has been living here in Colombia for many years and decided to set up a motorcycle rental agency. The reason I went with him, he's got some really nice bikes and all the gear. A lot of places when you rent, they're very keen on renting you the bike, but they're not keen on giving you a decent helmet and a decent jacket and knee pads and all the stuff that's going to save your life if you do have a nasty little slip. 
Um, but this guy is brilliant and he's given me an absolute belting bike and that is how I got here and indeed later on when I finish my little walk around the town I'll be jumping back on the bike to go and explore more of, of the Andes. Someone just shut a door in my face. I think that was just the wind. I don't think I don't think they hate me. I don't think they dislike me at all. I think I'm good for the economy. And what is the economy? Well, like a lot of Latin American countries, coffee, bananas, tourism. But Colombia's a bit different because Colombia, man, have I got a lot to say about Colombia. It, it's one of those countries. It's a bit like sort of, I don't know, Zimbabwe, for example. It's got everything and it could grow anything. And it's got more than nearly all its neighbours when it comes to minerals, right? So those Andes, those tectonic plates that have made these ridiculous mountains, they have moved around a lot of copper, a lot of gold, and they make it a place where there's loads of gold mines. And as a result, you would think there's loads of money. And I believe there's even some oil, I think there's coal, you name it, they've got it here. But I think international developers call it the curse of commodities because so many countries, and the reason I mentioned Zimbabwe is that's a sort of classic example, so many countries that have got commodities, diamonds, gold, minerals, um, are poor because they're mismanaged and they have wars over those very things. And unfortunately, that is the case with Colombia. It's not a rich country, but it should be, you know. But you know what? It's the story of so many countries in Latin America and indeed Africa as well. So let's go back to the beginning and about a week ago or something like that I arrived in Bogota, spent a couple of days acclimatising because it's quite high and the air is quite thin um, and so it's just, just a nice place after a ridiculously long flight to, to chill out and sit about in your pants and that's what I did. So I came via Cancun in Mexico uh, because I came from the UK, so UK to Cancun, Cancun to Bogota, Bogota to a hotel room in my pants and that's where I relaxed for a couple of days, just going out, getting a little bit of sun here and there, but generally speaking, just taking it very easy. I also have had quite a bad back recently, so I just didn't want to go and hurt myself anymore. If you heard the last podcast in Denmark, you'll remember that it was a complete disaster and it didn't go very well at all. Not only did I witness a murder, not only did I get either a very bad cold or covid not only did i get kicked out of a nightclub for asking for a bottle of water but also i managed to completely cock up my back by hauling my bag around i messed it up so badly that i got nerve damage in my back so unfortunately for the last few weeks i've been in a bit of a pickle uh, most of the time lying horizontally not necessarily in a good way but I'm pleased to say that's mostly behind me now. So with the exception of a dodgy back, I arrived in Bogota, relaxed, and my back slowly is getting better. And I decided the right thing to do was just not do much. Now, there is a lot to do in Bogota. Uh, I did do a street art tour, which was fascinating. Really good street art. Also, it's decriminalized, so it's everywhere. Uh, it used to be very criminalized. In fact, you used to get chucked in prison and a good slap. But nowadays... It's more of a political expression. So some of the best street art in the world is in Bogota. Hang on, there's a massive truck with huge fumes coming by. And I'm gonna take a big breath because it looks very black and smoky. Oh, it's a nightmare. When you're on a motorbike and you get stuck behind one of them, you just see a big black plume of smoke. Not big on catalytic converters here, if you know what I mean. Okay. 
but I did do a wonderful street art tour there, uh, a guided tour, free, but it's one of those ones where, you know, you obviously give a donation at the end to an actual street artist with his spray cans in his bag who took us around and showed us all his friends' work. Such a good way of seeing a city. He told us about what all the art represents. And, of course, by learning about that, you can also understand what it is that is wrong or what it is that has been wrong with this country and what it is that people have felt the need to speak out about and indeed still do. And believe me, if you're in Bogota, many like my family was born also in Bogota many generations ago, but my family are going to ask someone that is an Afro-Colombian, uh, where are you from? And they are going to tell you, yeah, from Bogota. No, 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 but where are you from? Yeah, from Bogota. But you don't look like Bogota because they are maybe Afro-Colombian. But we have to understand that over the last maybe three or four generations, we have a lot of migration in Bogota. So Bogotans are Afro-communities, Bogotans are Pacific communities, Bogotans are farmers too, even though they don't look like urban, but they are Bogotans. So we have to think, I think you have to think about the city, that this is a city that accepts everyone, an open door city. From Bogota, got myself a little internal flight, one hour to Medellin, I believe I pronounce it, I think. Uh, the second biggest city, which is about half the size in population. There's an area called Poblado, Poblado, which is where everyone goes if you arrive in Medellin. So if you, for example, do what I did, get a bus from the airport and then get out of that bus where it kicks you off, you'll see a load of cabs and you jump in that cab and they'll say, well, I presume you want to go to Poblado because you're a white guy and that's where everyone goes. And at first I was like, no, I don't. I don't want to go to Poblado. Not if everyone else goes there. No, why would I want to do that? I want to go to the most dangerous, dodgy barrio you can possibly find. And I'd like to be stabbed. Yes. And then when I thought about it, I thought, no, I think I'll go to Poblado. I think I'll do what he said. Uh, and when you get there, you realise that basically everything is in Poblado. First of all, there's loads of police, so it's safe. And secondly, it, there is all the bars, all the restaurants, and absolutely everything you can imagine for tourists, including, if you're into that, some prostitutes. Not my bag, but uh, it is very clearly uh, where international sex tourists go to pick up young girls. Sometimes very young girls, I have to say. Having walked the streets of Poblado, it would be impossible for anyone to not notice the prostitutes, male or female, they will certainly make themselves known to you. And uh, it's a bit shocking, if I'm honest. It reminded me a little bit of Cambodia and Laos and Thailand in that it's very, very in your face. And sometimes you can't help thinking those girls clearly are not 18. Yeah. I mean, it would appear to me and some of the people that I was with that one or two of those girls are probably 15. Tourism has its underbelly, its dodgy side. It's a peculiar place to be in that sense. But then equally, you sort of get used to it in no time. You walk into a bar, the prostitutes remain outside and 
you have a few drinks and talk about life, the universe and everything. It has a giant screen, shows you what can only be described as Latin American soft pornography, otherwise known as every music video in Latin America. A collection of women shaking their bum at the camera. They love a bit of that. They bloody love a bit of that. From Nicaragua to Colombia to Peru, it does not matter where you go. You go to a bar with a big telly and that TV will have a big arse shaking in your face. Again, not my cup of tea. Um, I've got other music. It is, of course, all slinky pinky. Slinky pinky, slinky pinky, slinky pinky. Forgive me while I'm trying to do my slinky pinkies. I am walking up quite a large hill. Let me jump out of the way of this car. When the air's thin, everything's just that little bit harder. Plus, I'll be honest, I haven't done a lot of physical exercise recently. So, from Medellin, a couple of nights out, some really, really cool stuff in Medellin. It's such a beautiful town. Um, it's also, bizarrely, got an, an underground system, a, a metro system, unlike Bogota, which doesn't. So there's the common rivalry that you get between big cities. You know, the people in Bogota versus the people in Medellin. People in Medellin think they might be a little bit cooler and maybe they're right because they've got a metro system. I don't know. But it was a good place to be. Lots of bars that go on absolutely all night. So be very careful about where you pick your hotel. You'll probably need some earplugs. Like for me, I'm not really drinking. I'm just more interested in getting up and renting a bike. So the last thing I need to be doing is going out and getting hammered. Is it necessarily authentic Colombia? I don't think so, probably not. I think if you really want to see authentic Colombia, and that's exactly where I am right now, you should be getting yourself some sort of transport to get out here to these little nestled towns in the Andes and just to see the way of life here. As I look ahead up the street, there's four Colombians all shielding themselves from the strong November sunlight using umbrellas to cast a shadow over themselves. There's Chinese tuk-tuks like there are in so many Latin towns, ferrying people around from one place to another for those short trips. And there's the occasional beautiful coloured building. Some of them dating back hundreds of years, most of them more recent, but uh, with a real attention to colour and vibrancy, those Latin American vibes that you get. Of course, music as well, coming from many of these houses bars, restaurants, as people enjoy the music that is the soundtrack to pretty much every small authentic town. So here I am in Jardin. Yesterday's motorbike ride was absolutely spectacular and reasonably safe I'd say first of all. So a little bit of advice as I said I think it would be a great idea to go to a professional that really knows what they're doing and has the correct safety gear and also does maintenance on their motorbikes. If you do that or a car, whatever you want, you know, just make sure you get a nice set of wheels. Get yourself out. At this time of year, it's not that touristy, despite the fact that it's as warm as it ever is, um, which is amazing. And what I mean by that is it's basically always the same temperature because we are that close to the equator. It's, in this particular part of Colombia, it's always around 25 degrees by day, maybe 20, 21 by night, depending if, you know, I mean, obviously if you're up in the in the mountains a bit more the surrounding mountains that I'm looking at and obviously it would be a, a lot colder at night but basically speaking it's nearly always t-shirt weather apart from when it's raining 
And when it rains, it rains hard, but relatively fast. Absolute monsoons. Get yourself a nice cold beer, stand in a bar, wait for a bit, and sure enough, it will pass. It is a very easy country to visit in that respect. There's the old slinky pinky. I always think it's a bar and then you realise it's someone's house. They just love it, man. They just love listening to music all day long. Get yourself a plastic chair, sit in the sun, put the tunes on in your house. That's the way to spend the day. That's just someone's house. I don't know where they are. I can't actually see anyone in there. As long as you've got music on, as long as it's not death metal, I think basically you can play at any volume until about 11pm. Right, I got a bit lost for a second there, but I popped my old Google Maps on and I'm off and running. I've decided to get data on this trip. So I bought a SIM card for a few dollars just because when you're on a bike, you need to make phone calls if there's something awful that goes wrong. Not that I'm planning on that. And also, you need some data to keep your Google Maps alive and working as you're driving around. And perhaps you might need to book a hotel or something like that. So it's a good idea to have a bit of data on your phone. And indeed, the bike that I got is so good, you can actually uh, pin your phone on the handlebars with this device, and it charges it, and remains on, and shows you exactly where you're going at all times. Ah, oh, the things I'd have done to have that before. It is absolutely brilliant. No pulling over and getting a map out and having to take your gloves off and getting in a pickle with everything. Now it's just easy. So that's absolutely fantastic. Well, this just gets weirder. Here I am at the northern end of town. I'm slightly lost trying to go back to my hotel. And I'm just walking past a full big top circus with two Ukrainian flags at the top, which I did not expect to see in Colombia. So I assume it's the Ukrainian Circus Tour of Colombia. Fair play to them. Good job erecting a big top in a field surrounded by palm trees and bizarre wild birds. Kind of beautiful place for a circus. Being that you're next to the equator, you've got these tropical flowers that are permanently out. As I walk past a rose right now, it reminds me that this is in fact the place where a lot of North America gets their Valentine's roses. Because you're so close to the equator, the roses just grow up. They don't chase the sun by bending over because the sun's nearly always just above them. As a result of that, you get straight stems. So, if you were given some Valentine's roses in USA or Canada recently, there's a very good chance those straight stemmed roses came from here in Colombia. And that's just some of the amazing flowers that you'll see wildly as you drive through this amazing place. You have the big purple lovely flower, Mogonvia, I believe it's called. I'm not very good at describing plants as you can probably tell, but really breathtaking uh, and striking. I really must make more of an effort to absorb the amazing flora and fauna. So yeah, as you'll drive through you'll see guys coming out the fields with machetes that have been working on the plantations all day some kids coming back from school sometimes wearing school uniform sadly as with many latin american countries not all the kids do go to school and a lot of them remain working on the lands also it is worth noting that higher education is very expensive here 
So unfortunately it's quite difficult for people to get their way up the social ladder. So if you did come into some money and you wanted to sponsor a Colombian kid, then that would be a lovely thing to do. And the flowers and plants are so mind-numbingly ubiquitous that when you do come into a town, all the houses are adorned with the most beautiful tropical flowers you can imagine, all in hanging baskets, hanging from their wooden balconies. They're fairly simple but very elegantly painted structures. A couple of, couple of floors and then, of course, the bedrooms above, very often with a balcony overlooking the Andes so they can come out take in a bit of morning air have a lovely cup of Colombian coffee not too hard to find that hey shush I'm doing, oh, I'm doing a podcast here I'm trying to paint a picture dog faced it's almost like you don't appreciate the art of telling a story you bastard what are you a dog anyway so um, just greenery and lushness absolutely every single direction of course being a Catholic country you'll always find the squares within these little towns uh, as always the Spanish were very concise with their planning and made sure that the grid system town always had one or two squares with the usual massive Roman Catholic church in there and usually you'll find the shade of trees in those squares and of course a nice place for a nice cold beer or some of the local food maybe you'll get a maybe you'll get a bit of fried chicken maybe a bit of chorizo Chorizo, by the way, is just a word for sausage. It doesn't mean it's like a particular Spanish sausage. Quite often it's quite crap sausage. I don't bother with it. It's not worth the calories. And, of course, the local specialities. Arepas. Fairly boring, if I'm completely honest. Uh, doughy bread numbers. Very dense indeed. Probably, I would imagine, originated back to the days when people used to go out and work in the fields, as they still do. Um, but when everyone used to go out and work in the fields, I would imagine they had a couple of arepas in their pocket something that you can chew on throughout the day and it's going to give you enough sustenance to keep you going but frankly not particularly interesting um you can in north america at least you can get a rappers that have been sexed up you know you can get really interesting ones but here they're basically just doughy bread um that are quite hard on the outside and soft on the inside of course yucca is fairly uh, uh typical yucca is like a, sort of like potato isn't it a root vegetable that you'll find quite commonly throughout Latin America and uh, all kinds of different uh, fish but not here well if there is fish here I haven't tried any I don't really want to risk it that's probably more something to do at the two coasts that are offered here by Colombia of course you've got the Pacific coast and the Atlantic coast so here in the middle in the coffee triangle as they call it I'm probably not that near the coast so probably not going to experiment with the fish but if you're anywhere near either of those two coasts, fish offerings. Now, I mentioned there the coffee triangle. What is that? Well, as I said earlier, I flew into Bogota, and here I'm not that far from Medellin, where I picked up my motorbike. But there's another town called Cali, and those three towns are the points of a triangle that's called the coffee triangle. Um, all in between and around those points, of course, there's coffee plantations, a massive export here in Colombia. Your average Starbucks may well come from Colombia. Not that I drink Starbucks, but if you do, fine, so be it. I think it's overpriced and overrated. Come on, go to an independent coffee shop, do it. But if you do go to uh, any real coffee shop... Uh, around the world there's a very good chance the coffee comes from Colombia and the coffee triangle is those three major towns the three biggest towns yeah so your Bogota your Medellin 
and indeed Yakali, C-A-L-I. Now, those three towns are where, I think it's fair to say, most Colombians live. And if they don't live in those three towns, they live between those three towns. So it's certainly fair to say that most Colombians live in the Coffee Triangle. And this, the reason I'm bringing this up is this is kind of being part of the problem historically. So we have a triangle that is Medellin, Medellin, Bogotá, Cali, and it forms the Coffee Axe Triangle. This actually idea of coffee as an export product is a decision from the centralist government. So we have had for many years a conservative government just thinking in the center. If you ask a Bogotan if they have accent in Spanish, they are going to say no. Our accent is neutral because we have an ego of this side. We are ultra-centralized city with 22% of the whole population of Colombia. And in this triangle, 80% of the population of Colombia, ultra-centralized country. The majority of decisions are taken from the center. But then, United States presence in the north and the Soviet Union presence in the south. In the 60s, a lot of civilians start taking the weapons to be playing the role of the government in the south where the government was not present. And they knew through the Soviet Union that they can be sponsored and financed with weapons and military training to form what we call today the guerrillas. So I'm going to talk a little bit about politics now to the best of my ability. You may be familiar with FARC, F-A-R-K. Um, no, I've messed that up. I've already I've messed it up. Sorry. For F-A-R-K is a website that I used to go to when I was a DJ to find tidbits of information that make people laugh. Fark.com. Um, but that's not what I meant. F-A-R-C, C for Colombia, um, is the rep- one of the guerrilla forces uh, here in Colombia that recently have been defunct, but were very much known internationally as a terror group. Now, there's plenty of them, okay, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but FARC is probably the most well-known. The FARC guys live outside the Coffee Triangle, as do, as far as I can see, most rebel guerrilla forces. So, what does that mean? That means that the government, who are, of course, based in Bogota, uh, have only really ever been concerned with the area that is the Coffee Triangle. And what that means is that a lot of other places, particularly the far-flung Caribbean coast and indeed the uh, Amazon rainforest to the south and sort of more jungle areas to the south, have been overlooked by the government. And this is quite often the case in a lot of Latin American countries. But this one's very clear and concise because you've got this coffee triangle. And what that means is that a lot of the small population that live outside the coffee triangle have been overlooked. And also, because they're not particularly under government control, they've been hotbeds of guerrilla activity. So, for example, FARC, who are from mostly the South, uh, were not in the Coffee Triangle. And they had an idea, as did many Latin American countries, that communism was a brilliant idea. You know, we've had this in Cuba still today, Venezuela next door, um, Nicaragua to a certain degree, and various, you know, I won't list them all, but various uh, Latin American countries have had their way, or at least been intertwined with the concept of communism. Now, the FARC guys, whether it's right or wrong, because, you know, everyone plays by a slightly different book anyway, let's assume that these guys had a sort of fairly socialist outlook, and these FARC guys had very different ideas to the government. Well, that's been the contentious point, and that, over the years, adding some dodgy money from 
gold and dodgy money from drug smuggling and dodgy money from coffee exports and whatever it is, you end up, of course, with these guerrilla factions and you end up with war. And what's happened historically here in Colombia is FARC and various other guerrilla groups have been opposed to the government ideology. And it's all very well saying that and, you know, you might think, well... They're wrong. They're evil. They didn't go with the government. Well, guess what? The government weren't exactly always angels either. And one of the things I learnt on a street art tour is, historically, there's been numerous times that the government and government forces and paramilitary forces, i.e. agencies that the government like, outside forces, not policemen, not government, just rebels that the government like, have historically been involved in all kinds of bloodshed. Nothing could be more stupid, though, than what happened when the government thought it would be a good idea to try to kill FARC members by putting a price on their head. So what happened was you had police forces and paramilitary forces trying to track down FARC guys to kill them, which is pretty brutal and unjust at the best of times but also, of course, leads to mass corruption. And what happened historically here in Colombia is police were killing innocent farmers from the rural south and various areas outside the Coffee Triangle, then badly dressing them up as FARC guerrillas and then taking the cash prize for killing those people. So really, it was an absolutely moronic, fucking stupid government incentive to deplete the population of rebels that backfired enormously because mm, we don't know thousands certainly thousands of people were murdered in cold blood that had absolutely nothing to do with any of those rebel forces so that is a snapshot a really brief snapshot into what's been going wrong here in Colombia FARC disbanded some years ago. The rebel forces in all of their manifestations have either chilled out or gone underground. And as today, as I speak, I'm happy to say that Colombia is a pretty, fairly safe country. Um, Certainly for tourists, if you perhaps have some very strong political views opposing the government and you're a Colombian, yeah, probably not. It might not be the ultimate place to be safe. So let's just be clear. Rebel forces, many manifestations, FARC was just one of them, various different ideologies, sometimes communism, but the government corrupt, warped with terrible policies that opened up to make this whole situation many, many times worse. And that's where we are today in Colombia. And that is one of the reasons, if not the major reason, that a extremely rich country in minerals is actually very poor indeed. A fairly typical story of a fairly typical Latin American country, but this one is bigger and, of course, it's quite a place for different ideas against the government, being that there's so many indigenous populations and people that are not necessarily in the coffee triangle that have been overlooked financially, economically and maybe even spiritually. Wow, who knew I could do that? I'll tell you what, this coffee's bloody excellent. I actually had no idea that I was going to get away with that. I feel like that was pretty concise. So much so, I'm happy to start walking again. That was so hard for me, I couldn't actually walk and talk at the same time. You know, like when you're trying to pat your belly and rub your head and you can't do it. I was like, if I try and put one foot in front of the other and describe the barbaric history of factions in Colombia, I'm not going to be able to walk any further. Fucking hell, mate.
Okay, let me take back what I said about it being safe. Don't walk in the road, because some prick in a Volkswagen Jetta's about to give it you the beans. Jesus Christ. Not boring this country, I'll tell you that. Right, I've lost my hotel, which means I've also lost my motorbike. So I think I'm going to hang up this podcast and try and get my way back. I've basically been walking around this grid of Jardin for however long this podcast has been so far and in so doing because I haven't really been thinking about where I'm going I'm completely lost another reason to get data on your phone and use Google Maps and despite what I just said about that car nearly killing me it is safe and it is fucking obscenely beautiful as I look beyond this town and its colourful vibrant little buildings full of jutted out balconies full of tropical flowers and happy old grandmothers looking down at me I can see in the distance past a tiny tuk-tuk full of people some lush green Andes peaks completely covered in forest and the lower lands with plantations all beautiful right I'm going to go and get on a motorbike and do some more exploring I hope it's been so far so good welcome to Colombia it's brilliant so far absolutely wonderful come here Hello and welcome to a very loud hall. Okay, picture the scene. It is a metal corrugated roof with uh, large holes where in normal cold countries you'd have windows. Here they've just got holes. And the local beer, Aguila uh, logo plastered throughout the hall. Whoa! And that. I was coming to that. Scares the life out of me every time. So this is a game of Tejo. T-E-J-O. Tejo. Which is a Colombian pastime. And involves throwing uh, a metal discus. Like basically a big block of metal. Into a pit of clay. And, And in that pit of clay is, as you might be able to hear, little packets of gunpowder. If you get the gunpowder, if you hit the packet of gunpowder, you get three points. If you don't get the gunpowder and you land inside the little circle of gunpowder, you get six points. Um, The whole place smells of beer and gunpowder. And um, it has the health and safety rating of about one out of ten. And I'm fairly confident someone will be knocked out with a large piece of metal at some point. But it'll probably be fine. It'll probably be fine. Tejo. So I'm going to grab my piece of metal and throw it now. If my team will allow me to get back in. Hang on a sec. Right, I'm going to give it a shot. Over there, they've got loads of packets of gunpowder. Oh, there goes another. Right, so... You grab it in your right hand, in my case. You wait for the man to walk in front of you. You don't hit him in the head. And now, you put your beer down, and then you give it some welly. The large waft of smoke is intense, and every now and then, there's a minor explosion. It's what Saturday nights are supposed to be. We have an explosion from an American tourist. And she is very happy. 
There's a man slapping down the bed of clay before he puts the little packets of gunpowder in it for the next contestant. There's probably about, I don't know, uh, 10 different lanes. I suppose really in most modern countries you've got bowling. Here you just chuck metal at gunpowder. Seems to work. A bit cheaper as well. Right, I'm going to have another shot. Oh, that felt good. <laughs> you got two. Beginner's luck tonight, isn't it? Mm. Oh. It's on fire. Oh, oh yes, it's on fire. Right, I just hit a little packet of explosives, got the big bang I wanted, and there's a very small fire. But don't worry, it's all in clay. It'll go out soon enough. Good. Well, this is a laugh, isn't it? <laughs> And as I put my beard down on an extremely large cable wheel that's been painted with yellow, blue and red, the colours of the Colombian flag, and I pick up a metal block to throw at gunpowder, I reflect on how fun it is. Hey, do you do this every week? Sorry? Do you play this every week? Absolutely not. You're very good. No, <laughs> no. We, we just came today, and this is the first time that we play. This is the first time well, you play? Actually, in Spain, we have something similar that is called petanca. That is the with the balls, uh, spherical balls. Same. You have to, uh, with, with the small one, you have to to be the, the closest to the, to the Oh world. yeah, and a bit like the French bulls. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And it's something like that you have to, to, to move like this, more or less, but... But no gunpowder? <laughs> no explosives? <laughs> only, only Colombia. Yeah. Wicked. They're dead. <laughs> Jesus. Yep, they just got one. Oh, and they got another one. They're really good. Right, less talking from me, and here's me now about to throw it at the target. Here we go. If you hear an explosion, I got it. You didn't hear an explosion, did you? Right, so next day, after uh, some minor explosions and quite a few beers in a rickety old wooden hut that uh, was very non-compliant with health and safety standards, but very compliant with fun, which perhaps is a good metaphor for Colombia in general, really. I'm only a few kilometres away from where I was, but my God, is it a different world. I am in a cloud forest, Cocora, C-O-C. O-R-A. Kokora is the name given to this valley. It's the Kokora Valley. And in the Kokora Valley, you can see something that you can't see anywhere else in the whole world. Because I am currently in a cloud forest, which is two to three thousand meters above sea level, 
it is quite a unique habitat. It's quite far from the coast, so you don't get any salty air. It's quite high, but it's temperate, but it's wet. And all of these things come together to create what is known as the wax palm, which is quite a boring name for quite a staggering tree. These things are crazy. They can be up to 70 metres high. Now, I don't know what a normal palm tree is, but probably maximum of, what, 15, 20, maybe, if you're lucky? I'd have to look that up. But this I do know. These can be 70 metres high, and that is really high. Have a quick Google at wax palms. They're called wax palms because the leaves are quite waxy, which has been to their detriment. They're endangered now. Um, because in the past people have used the wax that you can scrape off the leaves and because they couldn't be bothered to go up there and scrape the leaves off they just cut them down uh, but you can use it for making candles and all the usual things you can do with all kinds of wax but anyway these guys are endangered so in the moment I can just see a sort of distant haze over the forest and these bizarre trees jutting way above absolutely any possible tree around them and quite sparse, standing proudly and almost completely vertically. And they're so beautiful, but they're so bizarre because the, the palms themselves at the top are kind of spindly, fairly pathetic. You know, if you've got a normal palm tree, your classic coconut number, it would have a bigger head, right? But then you think of the body on these, if you like, the trunk being up to 70 metres, it's a long way to get up to very little. The other th reason that they're endangered is the good old Catholic Church. Yep, to celebrate Palm Sunday, Colombians would go and pick all the palm leaves off the young ones because they couldn't be bothered to go up to the tall ones. Very difficult to climb these things, I would imagine, and very dangerous. So they thought, well, oh, I'll just take the palm leaves off the little ones and then to celebrate Palm Sunday, we're going to wander around town with all these lovely little leaves and wander to the church and decorate the church with them well that's all very well but that killed all the young trees and endangered the entire species so as a result the Colombian government said hang on a minute these things are dying and they're absolutely rocking and no one else has got them why don't we protect them so they bought the whole valley and now I'm on technically government land and you can hear a distant valley with a river running through it at the bottom and I'm surrounded by just clouds and these crazy palm trees. And because it's Colombia, there's a couple of wooden huts being built for us tourists where you can get a rather nice beer. Actually, I just had a really weird one. It was a lime michelada, so lime juice, beer, and mango pulp with a salty rim. So it was like a beer margarita. So, I mean, I don't know what heaven is, but this must be pretty close. These trees are certainly close to heaven because they're tall. Yeah, another interesting fact actually I've, I'm full of them I've just been reading a lot um, when the Spanish discovered them in 1599 uh, they said bloody hell these trees are tall or they probably said it in slightly more of a Spanish accent wow let's take a few back to Spain didn't work because you know different climate they, was, they could, just couldn't believe how tall they were um, but when the Spanish discovered them they were the tallest trees in the world because they hadn't, no one had yet discovered California and all the sequoias. So for a little while, for 30 years, these were considered the tallest trees in the world, around 1600 to 1630, until they got to California and went, bloody hell, look at this. Hot chick surfing. Oh no, uh, big trees. Sorry, that's just my uh, 
my reminiscence of Baywatch that came back to me from my teenage years. Anyway, there you go. This is the Kokoya Valley in Colombia. Well worth a visit. Uh, that Michelada was $2. Had a steak dinner the other night. That was uh, $12 for a New York steak. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I cannot say enough good about this country. It is fucking amazing. It's cheap. It's easy. It's fun. It's just got everything going for it. Love you, Colombia. Really do. Well done. And yet again, another staggering, beautiful thing. Back on the bike, see what's next. Ta-ta. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. That was part one of a two-part podcast about Colombia. Part two will be a little while yet because I've got to do some editing, but it will happen. Um, and maybe rather than his absolute banging music, I should probably put some Colombian music underneath. We could even talk about amazing Colombian music. You know, they have the squeeze box and they got it off the Germans. Yeah, all that coming up in part two. Now, while I'm here and I've got this rather banging music, let me use this opportunity to do some ads. Now, ads can be very boring. We won't have any of that boring business. So here we are, nice and quick. Are you in Toronto? Then you probably need your photo on canvas. Go to mrphotocanvas.com. That's mrphotocanvas.com. Are you anywhere in the world and needing a podcast of your own? Maybe you need some production. Maybe you need some jingles. No, I don't really do jingles, actually. Maybe you need some production. Maybe you just need some help. Or maybe you want to record a whole new thing. Go to wemakepodcasts.uk. We make podcasts. UK. And finally, are you anywhere in Europe needing a place to work and hang out and have fun? Then you, my friend, need to get to Lisbon. Whereabouts in Lisbon? Well, start online at lisboncoworkingspace.com. That's lisboncoworkingspace.com. All of these three things are well above tickety-boo. <laughs> All right, see you next time. This was mixed and produced in the UK by we make podcasts.uk. Uh-huh.